Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. I'm excited about this month. I really am. And not just because it's Christmas, though I do love the Christmas season. I like all of the lights. I like people um, starting to act normal for one season of the year where there's goodwill on earth. You know, that's how people are supposed to act. I love the music, but it's not the Christmas season I've been really looking forward to. It's this season in our church. We're going to do something really different today. So for those of you who are tuning in, normally what we do is we study through a book of the Bible. We have been studying through the Gospel of John, the book of John in the New Testament, but we're going to take a one-week break today, and what we're going to talk about is the five-year plan for our church. What does Two Cities Church look like five years from now? That's what I'm so excited about. Now, for some of you especially for you military folks in this room, you know how to plan. You know how to plan exceptionally well. But for others of you, coming up with a plan may be a bit of a stretch for you. In fact, the idea of coming up with a five-year plan may be freaking you out just a little bit right now. I'm going to ask you before today is over with if you will tell us what this church looks like five years from now. So here's what I need everybody to do. I need you to take out your phone. Go ahead and do it right now. I need you to go ahead and open up the Two Cities mobile app, and I need you to click on the button that looks like this and follow along with the sermon. Because at the end of that page, there is a link that I'm going to need you to go to this week. But I I, want to explain all of this to you before we get there. So our church is already recognized. We're a nonprofit organization. We're recognized by this watchdog organization that looks deep into the finances of nonprofits and makes sure that money is going where we tell you the money is going. The organization is called GuideStar, and GuideStar has several different levels of transparency. We're in the process of trying to reach the highest level of transparency, meaning if you want to know whether or not your money can be trusted, all you got to do is go talk to these people outside our church, and they will tell you whether or not you can trust the money is going where we say it's going. In order to reach the highest level, GuideStar says, hey, Two Cities Church, you have to have a five-year plan, and we have to know what that five-year plan is. And it caused me to say, "Uh uh-oh, we don't have a five-year plan. Check this out, y'all. We're not doing this sermon today in order to get the highest level of transparency from GuideStar. We're doing this sermon today because we should have done this already, and it has nothing to do with that highest level. Every church, every organization ought to have a plan. And here's what happens if you don't have a plan. Check out the next screen here because a failure to plan No matter where you are, no matter what organization, this is true of your family as well as your business, and it's also true of your church. A failure to plan is really putting a plan in place to fail because you have no idea which direction you're going. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 in just a second, but today is not designed to be a study through a passage of the Bible. We're just going to use 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 as a guide. It's going to be a handrail to help us figure out, well, how do you get a five-year plan, Jeff? Because maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you have no idea how to do that. And maybe you're freaking out a little bit about the idea of five years from now. 
Can I tell you why a five-year plan and not a five-month plan is important? Because some of us in this uh, room or some of us who are tuned in, you can have a kind of a guess of what life looks like five years from now. But anybody in here want to be bold enough to tell us exactly what life is going to be like five years from now? Like five months from now, maybe I can guess what life is like, middle of the spring of next year. But five years from now, I don't even have the first clue. Okay, the unknown is what's causing us to say, let's put a few things in place and make sure that we're going in the right direction into the unknown so that five years from now we say, hey, I, I don't know what the future holds, but I do have an idea of the direction that we're going to go for the next five years. So I'm going to ask you as a church to give input. And what we're going to do is take your input and you, get this, are going to decide what this church looks like five years from now. Not me. Actually, you and me are not going to decide what this church looks like. The Holy Spirit of the living God is, and he is going to speak through his people to describe for us what five years, looks like from, five years from now looks like because only the Holy Spirit of the living God knows the answer to that question. So in order to hear from the Holy Spirit, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit three very specific questions about Two Cities Church. I'm going to put those questions for you on the screens. They're right there in that mobile app. And then we're going to use 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 to kind of guide us through these questions. And question number one is, how will we serve? And you're saying, whoa, wait a second. That question presumes something, Jeff. I never said I was signing up to serve. And you're already, you're already asking the question, how am I going to serve? Well, actually, you did say you signed up to serve. Not signed up to serve Two City Church. You said, I'm signing up when you bowed your knee and surrendered your soul to King Jesus. Because the moment that you call him king, get this, he calls the shots in your life. He calls the shots in my life. I don't. And he makes it very clear his reason for coming to earth was to seek and save those that were lost, to create disciples who were equipped and trained to create more disciples. And then when Jesus is getting ready to leave earth and go back to heaven, he gathers all of his followers around and he says, hey, y'all, I'm going to go back to the Father, and when I'm gone, you're going to do far greater works than I did. Wait a second. He healed the sick, and he brought people back from the dead. He fed the multitudes, and he's saying, I'm going to do greater works than that. And what Jesus is essentially saying is, you're going to keep doing what I did, and because there's a whole lot more of you than there was me, just one of me, you're going to accomplish much more than I accomplished because there's a lot of you. When you stepped into faith in, with Jesus Christ, it was the moment that you signed up for his great commission to make disciples. And no one gets an excuse. There are no exceptions to this. So the question is not, will you serve? The question that every Christian needs to answer, every church needs to answer is, how will Two Cities Church serve the mission of King Jesus? Did you know that even one of the greatest Christians in the entire Bible, a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul, he didn't call the shots in his life. 
God was calling the shots. And the Apostle Paul writes this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And in verse 11, he reminds this church that he started as he's hearing reports about how they're doing. Paul started this church. He, he left and he went to start other churches. And people were telling him about this church that he started. And he's hearing their reports. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he prays for his church. And he reminds his church, you don't call the shots. I don't call the shots. Jesus is king, which means he calls the shots. And here's what Paul says in verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now may our God, Paul's God is also directing the church that Paul helped start. May our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way back to this church. That's really what he's asking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I love the word that he chooses here. It's the, the word direct is a leadership word. And what Paul is saying is, hey, God is directing my steps. He is leading me. And because he's leading, my job is to follow. Now, this is true of Paul. It's true of every Christian. But I also want you to know this is true of the local church. And what that means is, I don't get a chance to make the decisions around here. You don't get a chance to make the decisions. Collectively, we don't make the decisions. It's Jesus' church, and so Jesus leads the church, and we follow his leadership. What is really beautiful about the word direct in that path is the way that he's leading. You see, that word in this specific context is describing God leading Paul in a perfectly straight, like laser straight line. And I think what Paul is saying is, listen, there are a lot of things that are competing for my attention. And I could focus over here and it might get me off track a little bit. I could focus over here. It might get me off track a little bit. What I need is for the Holy Spirit of the living God to direct me in a laser clear focus. And that means I need to ignore the other things that would get me off track. Paul is saying, I am praying that God would direct me in a laser straight line back to you because I long to be with you. I'm sure you guys are already thinking these, this um, idea, but basically there are a hundred things that the church could do to serve its community. Right, can we just be honest? 99 of those 100 things are really good things the community longs for and would love for the church to do those 99 things. They're just not the most important thing. And a church that forgets the most important thing because it got distracted with the 99 good things will miss the most important thing that God left his church on planet earth to do. I feel this in my life you probably feel this in your life too. You're being pulled in this direction. You're being pulled in that direction. And God is saying, if you will listen to me, but you're going to have to slow down and be quiet and listen. If you'll listen to me, I will lead you in a perfectly straight line, a crystal clear way. But that also means there's some stuff over here, as good as it is, as important as it is. It's just not most important. So when you're listening to me, I'm going to take your attention off of this over here, and I'm going to put it back in this direction. There's some stuff over here that's really, really important, and I know you'd love to do it, and I'd love for you to do it. It's just not the most important thing. Let's stay on the most important thing. 
Question number one, would you look up here for just a second? When I ask the question, how will we serve? I'm asking you, would you go and seek the Holy Spirit this week? And would you say, Holy Spirit, direct me in laser clear focus on the most important thing you want this church to pursue. And the other 99 things, as good as they are, we're just not going to get off track with those things. We're going to stay focused on the one thing. Can I also remind you of one other thing? When God directs his people and they're all unified in this one direction, life is a lot less frustrating and it's a lot less difficult. You see, you don't argue with your brother or sister because we're all on the same track. We're all heading in the same direction. We're all focused on the same goal. The churches where there are lots of arguments, I kind of wonder, like, are you guys going in 100 different directions at the same time? Because that's going to get frustrating. It might even get a little bit painful. When God's people, if two or 20,000 of God's people are focused in one direction, all of the other junk just falls to the side. And what we're asking is, God, how do you want us to serve you? And we're going to put that one thing above everything else. And we're not going to get off of track. And so would you just start to pray? God, how should this church serve you? What is the way that you want this church to accomplish your mission of making disciples? Question number two is about action. And it says, what are we going to do as a church five years from now? I'm going to caution you, because I need to say this too, when people start talking about doing church, this is where sin can show up in the equation, because this is where selfishness can start to show up. I want my church to do X for me. Put whatever you want in X. If you're not careful, you're listening to your spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. I want you to Notice something, I'll just say it out loud. I am not going to talk about budgets, and I am not going to talk about buildings at this point in creating a five-year plan. I'll tell you why in just a moment, because by the time we look at verse 12, maybe it'll be clear to you, sometimes budgets and buildings, as good as they are, they may be the 99 things that will get you off track of the one most important thing. When Paul continues his prayer for the church, he says this next, may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love. Notice two different ways that this love is expressed. I want you to have love for one another. Remember when Jesus was getting ready to leave and he said, Father, I'm praying for my followers. I'm praying that they have unity. I'm praying that they love one another. And then Jesus said this, the whole world will know that they're Christians by the way that they love each other. And what Jesus is basically saying is the rest of the world is going to say, I want to be loved like that. How do I become a part of that church? Because whatever they're doing, I want some of that. So the first thing that Paul is praying is that the church would love one another. Isn't it interesting, though? He didn't leave it there. He said, I don't, I don't just want you to love one another. That's a no-brainer. That's a non-negotiable. I want you to love, have love, not just for one another, but for, what does it say next out loud? For everyone. Okay, who's the everyone then, Paul? Because if one another is everybody in the church, 
then who's the everyone that we're talking about here? And Paul says, by the way, I want you to love one another. I want you to love everyone just like I love you, just like we, the founders of this church, love you. Who do you think, you could say this out loud, the everyone is that he's referring to here? Those that are not in the church. First, we need to talk about loving each other. And that one's a no-brainer, and it's a non-negotiable. But I'm not just praying that you would love people in the church well. I'm praying that you would love like Jesus, which means love people that are not in the church, far from Jesus and far from the church. I'm praying that you would love them well. Well, the, our question to wrestle with is, well, how do we do that? Because we want to love people in very practical, very um, action-oriented ways. You can stand up until you're blue in the face and say, I love you, but it really doesn't matter until you show people that you love them. And Paul is challenging his church. Would you love each other in tangible, practical ways so that people say, man, I want some of that. I want to become part of Jesus's church if that's what being part of Jesus's church looks like. But Paul says, I don't want you to just love one another. I want you to love everyone. I got a beautiful story about this. I just heard it yesterday. Many of you that are, uh, have been around, connected with us for a while, you know Alex and Cynthia King. They were founding members of our church, helped get us started here in Columbus, and then he's in the Army, so the U.S. Army moved him from here to New York. Alex and Cynthia are doing ministry everywhere they go. It's beautiful the way that they do ministry. And Cynthia got a job working, as in a, in a, uh, working in the warehouse of UPS, and because Cynthia is a follower of Christ, she just takes her faith with her to work like you do, like I do. Cynthia's been trying to share her faith with some people that she works with, and one of them in particular, her supervisor. And I don't know if you've ever tried to share your faith with your boss, but that gets really touchy really fast. This week, her supervisor grabbed Cynthia, pulled her off to the side and said, last night, Jesus radically changed my soul. And Cynthia, I need you to know that Jesus radically changed my soul because it's watching you that Jesus used to radically change my soul. So now you guys can go ahead and say amen, hallelujah. <laughs> Cynthia would tell you what I would tell you, what all Christians would say. I didn't really do this. Only the Holy Spirit of the living God could change my supervisor like that. But my supervisor grabbed me and wanted me to know it's because of what I see in you that Jesus grabbed a hold of my soul, Cynthia. And I said, Cynthia, this is awesome. We need to talk about baptizing this guy. We need to talk about getting him started, becoming a disciple who's sharing his faith with other disciples because this is absolutely beautiful. And this is the church just doing what Jesus left his church on planet earth to do. So question number two, as you're praying this week, you're asking this question about the church as a whole, two cities church as a whole. Father, show me how you want this church to do what you've left this church on planet earth to do. That's question number two of the three questions that I'm going to ask you to answer this week. And question number three is by far the most important. Check this out. Question number two is about action. And what we do is important. It's hugely important in our community. But it is not even close to as important as who we are. 
You see, this question is not about action. It's about identity. And here's what I want you to ask. Five years from now, when people in my neighborhood hear the phrase Two Cities Church, what do I want them to picture in their minds? I can already tell you one of the things I don't want them to picture in their minds. I don't want them to picture a building. You see, in Western Christianity, most people, when they hear the word church, they automatically think red bricks and a white steeple, and they associate the building itself with the church. Nowhere in Scripture do you ever see the word church or the assembly in the Old Testament associated with the building itself. It is the people of God called out of their sin and into a relationship with God. That's the church. So now what I want you to pray is, God, when people hear this name, Two Cities Church, in the Chattahoochee Valley or around the world, what do I want to come to their minds? Because this is a question of identity, not action. And when we talk about identity, Paul kind of summarizes it for us at the end of chapter 3. He says it this way, may he, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, may he Make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. This ends Paul's prayer for his church. If you're freaking out a little bit, like if you just peed in your pants a little bit by the phrase blameless in holiness, so am I. And Paul's not saying, I'm expecting you to be perfect Christians. Because he's not a perfect Christian. He even says this in the book of Romans, like there's something wrong with me and I'm the chief among sinners and I don't do what I want to do and the things that I'm supposed to do, I don't want to do them. Even Paul would admit he's not perfect. Blameless in holiness means quick to recognize my sin, quick to run to Jesus to repent for my sins, quick to go to another or brother or sister and to say I'm sorry. And it is God's righteousness at work in my heart that is starting to make me blameless among God and other people. And every time I mess up, I run back to his holiness and I try to ask for his forgiveness so that he can restore me. And he's continuing to make me holy and continuing to make me blameless. And I'm going to need that gospel tomorrow just as much as I needed Jesus's gospel on the first day because I'm going to keep messing up. I don't want people to feel like you got to have things figured out to become part of Two Cities Church. In fact, I really desperately want people to hear, I think there's a bunch of messed up sinners in that building. And I'm a pretty messed up sinner myself. Maybe they would be willing to accept me because I need somebody to come alongside me and help me work on my relationship with Jesus. Help me work on what's wrong inside my heart. I'm putting this up on the screens to remind us I'm not perfect and nor are you. Paul, the guy who writes this, isn't perfect. There's one perfect man that ever walked on planet Earth. But some churches can unintentionally give the community the impression you're not welcome until you figure everything out. And when you show up, you better act perfect because we all act perfect around here. Everybody in the room knows they're not perfect and the people next to them are not perfect. They just act like they're perfect. So my challenge to us, the third and the final challenge to us is what kind of identity do we want 
Who are we going to be five years from now that when people hear the phrase Two Cities Church, this is what comes to their mind? I'm going to tell you exactly how we're going to do this in just a second. And then I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us to take a few next steps this week. On that mobile app, go ahead and pull it out and look in that sermon. At the bottom, you see a little button that says, take the survey or fill out the survey. And I have my glasses on, so I can't really see what that button says. It's just orange with white blob on the screen. But it says something about a survey. Is that right? Okay. So when you start that survey, it's going to ask you at the beginning the three questions that I've already put on the screens. And we, I, I'm going to ask you, would you fill in the blank and just give an honest answer to those three questions? Check this out. It is totally and 100% anonymous. So you can say whatever you want to say on there, and I won't know who you are. It won't get back to me, to the leaders of our church. But there's also an acronym, or it's actually a uh, kind of an acrostic or acronym at the bottom of the survey, and it's four letters that are four additional things that I want you to pray about, and then I want you to fill in. It's the word SWAT, which is strength, S, W, weaknesses, O, opportunities, and T, threats specifically to Two Cities Church right now at this point in the history of our church. What do you think are some of the strengths of our church? Because we want to do what we do well, and we want to do it better. We want to get better at the things that we're already doing well. Weaknesses. What do you think some things are that are really need to get strengthened around here? They're not where they should be. O is opportunities, and obviously these questions are in, in light of Jesus' mission for his church and where we are and where he's planted us in the lifespan of our church and where we are right now, where do you think God's greatest opportunities for our church is? And T, of course, are threats. What do you think are some of the things that can get us off course? The 99 good things that may cost us the one most important thing. All right, before I go into any of the next steps, I need you to hear how to do this. Because here's what I've been doing. I have been praying. I have been listening. But I have not answered one of those questions yet. My goal for us is that we're all asking the Holy Spirit. We're all praying and desperately longing to hear from the Holy Spirit. And this is important, so I need you to look up here for just a second. What you fill in in those blanks has nothing to do with what you would want to see. You're simply going to put in those blanks what you believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about our church. See, our goal is not to try to figure this thing out on our own. This church belongs to King Jesus. We believe that he has left his Holy Spirit to guide his people. And now what we're asking is, Holy Spirit, would you show us who you want us to be? Would you show us what you want us to do? Holy Spirit, would you show us as a church how you want us to serve you? And by the way, would you help me to just take a look around our church and to see our strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats? So here's what I'm challenging you. Don't fill any information out in there until you have first prayed, until you have got silent before the Holy Spirit, until you feel like you have heard from the Holy Spirit, and then put that information in that survey. And here's what will happen. 
99% of us will all say the same thing in that survey. And because 99% of us are listening, there's 1% of us that are just crazy or not listening to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to point anybody out by name. I may be that 1%. But 99% of us will all hear the same thing. And when 99% of us all hear the same thing, you have just heard God's answer to this five-year question about our church. I am so excited about trying to help see where does God want this church? What do we look like? What do we do? What kind of church are we going to be five years from now? But I want to make this personal for just a second. Maybe you are watching this broadcast and maybe you're saying, I have always felt like I don't belong because there's something wrong inside of me and I need to get that something wrong fixed before I can be part of Jesus' church. Maybe what you heard today, maybe for the first time it dawned on you, I need Jesus to clean me up and accept me into his church, and then everything else that's wrong with me will start to work on after the fact. Maybe in just a second, you need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit of the living God to change you from the inside out. I really believe everybody tuned in watching this right now, everybody who's in this room can do number two on the screens. If you will make this commitment, I want you to hold up your hands. Would you say, I will pray daily for my church until I get an answer from the Holy Spirit and I will fill that answer out in that survey. Would you say that? Thank you. And number three is every Christian's prayer automatically. I will put God's great commission first in my life. It takes first place. Everything else in my life takes second place. There are other really important aspects of my life, but I will not let any of the other things become more important than the first thing. The first thing is, of course, Jesus's final words to his church when he says, I'm leaving and going back to heaven. And by the way, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them. I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And by the way, you're not on your own. I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. This is the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 18, verses 18, or 19 and 20. And this is God's mission for his people until he calls his people to come home and to be with him in heaven. So I'm going to pray for us right now. And then I'm going to show you two really awesome aspects of Two Cities Church today, baptism and communion. But let me pray first. Father, maybe somebody is listening in their car right now to this podcast. Maybe somebody's sitting in a hotel room and it's dawned on them. I have always been a little bit hesitant to consider myself part of your church because I felt like I was dirty and I wasn't perfect like all of the other people that I see in church. And maybe this is the moment that your spirit is speaking to them and saying, these people aren't perfect and no human being has the ability to be perfect on their own. Only by a miracle of God can a dead soul start to become alive again. Only can a sinner start to become a saint. And maybe somebody needs to cry out a prayer of faith and say, Jesus, I need you to accept me into your family. I want you to bring me into your church, these brothers and sisters that are your family. So maybe somebody would just simply cry out, Father, forgive me. God, would you clean me? Would you turn me into a new man? Because I can't fix my mistakes and I can't make the 
failures of the past go away? Would you change me and make me into a new woman, Jesus? Because I need your help and I can't do this on my own. God, I'm asking that somebody would cry out to you in faith, a sincere, honest prayer. You would hear that prayer and you would change their life. God, I am committed to praying for Two Cities Church, but I'm asking that you would cause everybody who is connected with our church and calls this church home, that we would start to pray fervently for your spirit. Would you speak to us, Holy Spirit? Would you help us to remain silent, not even put one word in that survey until we've heard from you? And then when we've heard from you, no matter what it is that you're leading, would you help us to fill out that survey and courageously follow you for the next five weeks and the next five years. And ultimately, God, I'm asking that you once again renew your people's commitment to your great commission because it changes lives. The gospel alone has the power to transform somebody like we've just heard from Cynthia's testimony, like we will see in just a moment from Megan's testimony. God, would you be glorified by the way that your people live out your great commission? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.